Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. A 105 or a 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs' first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what I about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app it's time for this week in chicago baseball it's hit and run on a sunday morning right here on 670 the score Got to find, uh, got to find the ghost of Mel Allen or somebody who can do a real good Mel Allen. Ha, folks! Time for Twib Notes from around the American League. That's not good. It sounds like uh, time for timer um, or some other awful hayseed accent. Good morning, everybody. This hour on the score is brought to you by Continental Toyota. Experience the Continental Toyota difference with over 400 new and used vehicles in stock. Located on the Grange Road and I-55 in Hodgkins. ContinentalToyota.com. Lots to talk about in the baseball universe, and the phone lines are open for you to hang in there with me right now at 312-644-6767. Consider us a three-hour respite from your NFL Draft conversation. If you want more NFL Draft conversation, we've got it for you at noon when Mark Grody and Anthony Heron are here They'll be on from noon until pregame for the Cubs, Cubs and Diamondbacks later on today at Chase Field. Jose Quintana goes for his fourth consecutive brilliant start against Luke Weaver. The White Sox and the Tigers will play, weather permitting, at a 110, our time, Renato Lopez against Matthew Boyd. I'd like to wish all of you uh, a beautiful day on this December morning. Christmas next week is going to be a blast, don't you think? Woo! I breaking out the snow brush and wiping sleet off the car repeatedly yesterday is no way to spend the 27th of April. It just isn't. But we don't really have a choice in the matter. Later on this hour, my guy Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us with uh, nuggets about the Sox and the Cubs. Paul Sullivan, the venerable baseball man from the Chicago Tribune, will join us at 10 o'clock. I googled Paul Sullivan and Andre Dawson and found a Tribune story from opening day 1988. For Andre Dawson as he homered on opening day into the right field bleachers. This coming off his MVP season. 
And that is not the earliest baseball byline that you will find from Paul Sullivan. I, I know all this. I know this as well that his first game covering the White Sox as a beat writer for the Tribune was the game when Albert Bell got busted with a corked bat, and his teammate Jason Grimsley of the Indians was busted crawling through the heating ducts at U.S. Cellular Field to get into the umpire's office and reconfiscate the confiscated bat to try and keep Albert Bell from a suspension he would eventually serve. That's just like a little piece of the baseball history that Sullivan embodies. So uh, looking forward to talking to him at 10 o'clock. Uh, and we'll also talk plenty of current baseball stuff. And Mike Farron will join us. Um, awfully good. Mike Farron from MLB Radio and more will join us to talk a little bit of Diamondbacks since he's an Arizona guy and some national baseball at 11 o'clock. And I think we're going to play We Are Family for our second time, as well as in, in the 11 o'clock hour. You can find me on Twitter, at Matt Spiegel 670. As I mentioned, text at 67011. And you can call us at 312-644-6767. All right, here we are. The U Darvish Every Fifth Day Wellness Check. Went pretty well last night. Didn't look like it at first. 56 pitches through two innings. The absolute chaos of that first inning. The terrifying, maddening, frustrating experience it is to watch you, Darvish, with absolutely no command of the fastball. Almost hits Adam Jones in the face. Uh, just, just could not find the plate in either the first or the second, often. He had a, he had a, a Zach Godley, the pitcher, had an at-bat where it looked like Darvish was going to give him whatever the hell he wanted to do at the plate. So 56 pitches through two, and then he settled in and gave you his first quality start of the year. I believe his fourth as a Cub. I think there were three last year. He still has not recorded an out in the seventh inning as a Cub, but he joked he deadpanned after the game when he was asked, what's next? Seven innings, he said. So he deadpanned about that. With some humor. What happened? Why did Darvish settle in? Relief and survival. He got through those first two innings that we talked about. And then David Bodie hits one off the second deck. The facade of the second deck as part of the five-run outburst. And the pressure is removed from you, Darvish. There he is. Now the stretch for the 3-1. Uh-huh. It's on the way. Swung on and drilled in the air. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. David Bodie. A booming three-run homer to left. It hit the facing of a little picnic area beyond the left field bleachers. David Bodie with a bomb right there. Bodie said, by the way, that in his first at-bat, he pulled off of a curveball. Was angry at himself that he pulled off of a curveball. I kind of like backed up on it, and then it broke. And that got him angry. He said it got him locked in. It made him committed to stay in the middle of the plate, even if he saw more breaking pitches. And it's that thing where you flinch in the beginning, you show the hesitation, and it pisses you off. So you recommit after that, and you're locked in, and whammo. That's baseball, right? And that's life. Best played without fear. Something sets you back, and you realize you played with a little bit of fear. Say, screw it. Play it with a little more authority, a little more confidence. And there's Bodie with his next two at-bats doing that. 
But anyway, so Darvish gets that five-run outburst, and he's up 5 nothing, and he just goes after guys. He started to pitch faster. The tempo started to pick up. All of the stuff looked good like it often does. The sliders are biting. He's spotting them where he wants. And the fastball had great life. But he was more deliberate in a good way. I mean that in a good way. Joe Madden said after the game, quote, I think he's historically a pretty good front runner. Is that true? Yes, it is. Darvish, if you look at the lifetime splits for Darvish, um, you Darvish, when his team scores first, is 47-11 and 11 with a 2.50 ERA. 2.50 ERA when his team scores first. Doesn't that make all the, the, the intuitive sense in the world, the way that we have learned what you Darvish is, how he functions, um, and just his level of, uh, of sensitivity, his, his need for things to feel good and, and, and be good? It makes all the sense in the world. So, yeah, score first for Darvish. He's 47-11 and 11 with a 2.50 ERA. He struck out the side in that third inning and then really rolled through the sixth. The only other hit he gave up was the Peralta leadoff homer in the sixth. It's a terrific performance, and there is a massive temptation to say, here we go, turning point. This is it. Is this the turning point start for you, Darvish? Is this it? 312-644-6767. I'm going to need to see some more to believe that. I'm going to need to see some more. I know Theo doesn't want it to be a start-to-start referendum, or as I called it, your every fifth-day wellness check. It, but this is, this is where we are. It's, it's grown very difficult to have confidence that this U Darvish is the one we're going to see next time out. For what it's worth, Taylor Davis, the backup catcher who caught the game last night, says that's him, that's the U that the league has seen, and I think that's the U that the league is going to see for the rest of his Cubs career. So there's Taylor Davis's thought. That's the first time Taylor Davis has ever caught you, Darvish. Got a very good, uh, very good ERA though in his in his life as you, Darvish's catcher. But is that the moment? Is that the turnaround start? We'll see. By the way, um, Wilson Contreras not playing. Good. I, I mean, Wilson Contreras is having a phenomenal year and doing a lot of good things at at, at behind the plate as well as at the plate. Joe Madden credited him the other day when talking about the st- strong starting pitching. He said it's been, it's been a group effort, been all the pitchers stepping up, obviously. Uh, Mike Borzello, Tommy Hadovy, and the game planning staff. And he said also Wilson and his preparation have been locked in. But he has to rest. Wilson needs rest. You have to play Taylor Davis. Or get somebody else in here you're going to play if you're not going to play Taylor Davis. You have to. Those were the first innings since Victor Caratini's injury that Wilson Contreras has not been the catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Those last night, the first ones. Here's why it's important. Wilson was tired at the end of last year. Some of it mental because of the struggles, um, but... Some of it probably physical. He had a brutal second half of the year. The OPS in August for Wilson Contreras last year, 623. The OPS in September for Wilson Contreras, 465. Give the man some rest. So we got it last night, and it looked good. 312 644 
Remember when we talked about, um, in really the first week of hit and run several weeks back with me, Matt Spiegel here, we talked about how the Cubs pitching staff as a whole doesn't have a lot of guys with swing and miss stuff. In a swing and miss league, not a lot of guys with swing and miss stuff, especially with Brandon Morrow hurt as he is. And we ran through numbers for you of the 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 missed swing percentage, your swinging strike percentage, your your contact rate, all those kind of things, hard contact rate as well. But how the Cubs were either very low or at best middle of the pack in terms of swing and miss stuff from the pitching staff. You Darvish has swing and miss stuff. There were, I believe, nineteen swinging strikes last night. And I think 20 looking strikes last night. But man, that guy can miss bats. When he's rolling, the stuff is outrageous. There were some, there was a fastball at 97 against Christian Dawkins to end the third inning that had a lot of pop. There were change ups. I think they were change ups at 91 miles per hour. Funky looking things. He throws a lot of funky stuff, and people will miss when he's throwing like that. We got a lot to talk about. David Bodie's big night, plenty of White Sox stuff for you. As the uh, ascension of Tim Anderson is uh, is so interesting to me, I'm enjoying it so much. But let's take your phone calls at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Is you Darvish going to continue this or not? Chris in Frankfurt, you're on with me, Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. What's going on, man? Darvish is back. Strong, 100%. You think so? Look out. Look out. Look uh, out. He gets a couple runs in the first inning behind him, and he he's like a racehorse. You cannot hold him back. <laughs> Just got that feeling, huh? Got that feeling he about it as you watch? Last night, his stuff was phenomenal. Yeah, what, it, it was crazy. It's what The problem is, Chris, his stuff is often phenomenal. It was great last night. It was. It's not, it's not a stuff issue with Darvish. It's an execution issue. It's a fastball command issue. I think it's a game plan execution issue. And it is a, um, is a, it's a calm confidence issue with Darvish. You're right about the early lead. The early lead just gets him to a different kind of headspace, man. It clearly does. And I get it. I think it's true for a lot of people. A lot of people. But... Um, yeah, he, he, he was different once they had that lead. Texter says, uh, Dylan Maples, Darvish, and Chatwood have the best swing and miss stuff on the staff. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Especially with Morrow not here. And did you see Dylan Maples' first appearance of this year the other night where he just had complete chaos, walked a couple of guys, got the bases loaded, and then struck out the side. I believe that's how it went. I was, I was watching it. It's like, oh, my God. And there was a moment there where Adam Jones was caught on, on like a slider that came back over the plate and the look on his face. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it, it's out there. There's video out there of Adam Jones. Like just, he backs up on the slider that comes right over the plate. 670, the score is where you are. Let's go to Bob in Dyer, Indiana. What's up, Bob? How are you? Hey, pretty good. Hey, Matt. I thought Taylor Davis last night was a difference maker for Hugh Darvish. Um, he would get the ball and he would fire it right back to Hugh and they got him into a rhythm mm-hmm. that I haven't seen yet this year or out of Hugh. And I would love to see Taylor Davis, at least the next start until Caratini comes back, uh, the Cubs just keep uh, Taylor Davis as 
Darvish's personal catcher. You know, with the need, Bob, to go ahead and give Wilson Contreras some rest and make sure you're doing the right thing by that guy, sure. I'm absolutely with that idea. There was a tempo and a comfort level that, for whatever reason, uh, Taylor Davis and Darvish had. Here's the other thing, and I I have no idea about this, but Taylor Davis is a weird and very funny human. You guys remember this? You remember this? This is the guy who um, would always look back, find the camera during, I think during the anthem, right? During the anthem at, at AAA Iowa games. This is a couple years ago. He would find the camera and just stare at the camera. And then he and the Iowa TV crew just had a thing where, like, they would zoom in on him and he would just give this deadpan. He's a very funny, odd person. Darvish is funny. Darvish is funny and Darvish is odd. I you know, who knows if they've got a little, if they've got a little personal chemistry, even just based on one night, I am all for giving that another shot. Absolutely. Because as I said, you got to rest Wilson sometime. So as long as it's not too much and as long as it's not, you know, a, a matchup situation where you need Contreras out there, obviously you're going to need Contreras to catch Darvish down the stretch and, you know, for the bulk of the year and in the playoffs and everything like that. But it's April, and soon it'll be May. You want to you keep giving Taylor Davis? Keep killing, giving Taylor Davis uh, some U Darvish starts? I'm all for it. I, I was looking, by the way, at this. Um, all the different catchers that Darvish has thrown to, because, again, that was his first start ever with Taylor Davis. There have been eight different catchers who U Darvish has thrown at least ten times to. Okay? Some of them are names you know. Chris Jimenez, remember they signed him to try and be part of the U Darvish welcoming committee. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, the aforementioned Wilson Contreras, Robinson Chirinos, guys like that. I just found this funny. The two catchers who he has thrown to at least 10 games and has the best ERA with was in Texas. Giovanni Soto, the former, the former Cub at 26 games, and A.J. Przinsky at 17 games. 2.80 ERA with A.J., a 2.83 ERA with Giovanni Soto. What does that tell you? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. And I'm not sure that, that I can learn a whole lot, except that AJ's a weird dude. AJ's a weird dude with an edge and a funny dude. So it's part of my, uh, my, my, my random instinct. Maybe not so random, but it's part of my instinctive answer when it comes to Taylor Davis, U Darvish personal catcher. Also, mental note, I want to ask AJ Pruszynski about U Darvish. I think that would be a good conversation. We got to do that sometime on Hit and Run, don't we? Yeah, I think so too. 312-644-6767. That is the phone number. Dial it up and get involved here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I wonder uh, about the value of a couple of guys um, on this Cubs staff, on this Cubs team, and, and, and what it says about their roles and their security within. I'll explain what I'm talking about when we come back next. Chris Kampka in a few minutes. Paul Sullivan at 10. It's hit and run on 670 The Score. Giovanni Soto. Here's the windup by Ray in the pitch. Swing and a high drive. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Whoa. Left field. About a 470-foot home run by Javier Baez. It was one run where as soon as he hit it, everyone in the park knew it was long gone. Man, the ball carries out there, doesn't it? As Pat Hughes from the other night on 670, the score. Javier Baez against Robbie Ray just absolutely destroyed that thing. 
Last night, David Bodie hit one in just about the same area, a little bit longer than Javi's. I think Bodie's was at 469 feet, I believe, and Javi's a, a little bit less than that. You know what um, what Madden was calling that place because the way the ball carries? Coors Light That's what he said. That's what Arizona is. 670, the score is where you are. It's hit and a run. This hour of which is brought to you by Continental Toyota. Experience the Continental Toyota difference with over 400 new and used vehicles in stock. Located on the Grange Road and I-55 in Hodgkins. ContinentalToyota.com. It's important to remember as Addison Russell's potential return looms, and we're talking baseball here, okay? Not societal stuff on Russell for now. Baseball issues. That... Uh, Javier Baez is a made guy. This is not a situation like it was a few years ago when all these young kids were developing at the bigs and you were trying to figure out who's who and what the pecking order was and everybody had to split time and develop and play. No, Javier Baez is second in the MVP voting and is off to an absurd start this year. There's a moment in postgame last night where David Bodie's being asked about how uh, Zach Godley intentionally walked Javier Baez to get to Bodie before that, that Homer and Bodie's like, well, you know, they were already down two to nothing. And then it was two Oh on Javi. You got the best player in the game up there at the plate. I'm not surprised. I, I thought they might've done it two pitches sooner. That's just a quick aside from David Bodie, as he calls Javier Baez the best player in the game. I don't think Javier Baez is the best player in the game. I think most people would not put him there. Top 10 players in the game? Certainly make that argument. And when you add in his, his vibe, his presence, his entertainment factor, if you want, but certainly the terror that he puts in opposing defenses by the way he's on the base, when you add in those sort of intangibles, certainly top 10 in baseball. Even if, uh, if the war does not get him there. But either way, the fact that Bodie, his teammate, just glibly tosses that off to the side, best player in the game. This is how the teammates feel about him. Joe Madden in pregame on Thursday said about Javier Baez when he was talking about the potential of Addison Russell playing short. There's a lot of things you have to consider. Um, Javier's play, his energy, he's making the plays there, his stature in the room. That quote caught my ear. Javier's stature in the room. You're not going to just force Javi Baez to do something he doesn't want to do. That's not going to happen. So I'm not saying he won't agree to move to second for the betterment of the team so they have the best four defenders out there possible. I'm not saying he won't agree to it, but it would be him agreeing to it. It would be him willing to do it. Here's a little bit of Theo Epstein the other day, also from Thursday. This is... On 670, the score, along with Bernstein and McKnight, talking about Baez and, uh, and his value and importance. You have, to, you have to appreciate it and enjoy it. So if you take it for granted and, and you're not surprised, then I think you're missing out on some, a lot of joy <laughs> that comes with watching them play. But if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm surprised when he's out. You know, <laughs> I think that I've, one of the more surprising things of the whole season was that replay the other day in Miami where Starlin actually tagged Javi out and the play was reversed and he was out because when Javi pushes the envelope and does his magic tricks, they almost always work. <laughs> and that was that was one time that he was actually out by uh, by about half a centimeter. So that's when I'm surprised, right? Is when it when it doesn't work. Um, but 
Now, I don't, I don't want to ever get to the point where we take for granted the things that he does out there with his instincts and his aggressiveness and his feel. And, um, it's, it's special. Um, I think, you know, that it factor is real. I think it sets the tone for the whole team. Guys thrive, you know, they thrive on his energy. Um, and, uh, it changes who we are as a ball club when he's out there doing those things. So never want him to change. That's the stuff, especially there at the end. Sets the tone for the entire ball club. They thrive off his energy. You do on the couch. That team does in the dugout. It's, um, it, it cannot be understated, the effect that he has on his teammates and the level of respect they have for him. So Addison Russell is going to play some second base in the minors, and Addison Russell is going to stay there beyond the 3rd of May if he's not comfortable yet playing some second base. They have options that they can use on Addison, and I will be surprised if they don't use one on the 3rd of May and let him stay there and work through both the physical and mental adjustments it takes to move off the position you've played your entire life. Much like what happened to Starlin Castro a few years back when Addison took his place at short, and Castro had to agree, and did for the betterment of the team, to move to second base. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Nothing beats playoff hockey in Chicago. Your Central Division champion Chicago Wolves in Grand Rapids play today at 3 at Allstate Arena in a winner-take-all game. For playoff information or tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. And I was thinking about, in terms of value, Javi, who I mentioned there, and then David Bodie. Where's David Bodie's value on this team? Right now, who has he skyrocketed past in terms of value for this team? Right now, it's a 953 OPS for Bodie on the year. We're familiar with his flair for the dramatics. He has been a major leaguer for one year and one week. April 21st of last year was the debut. So we know about the walk-offs. The ultimate grand slam, I think, is how they referred to it, from down to ahead and walk-off last year against Ryan Madsen in the Nationals. The walk-off last week and the immediate hop-on to the airplane to go and be with his wife for the birth of his third child, that kind of stuff. The, the two bombs last night. And then the glove, how trustworthy he is with the glove, how the coaches feel, how the teammates feel about having Bodie out there at either third or second base. Shortstop in a pinch, but especially third. Go ahead and put Bryant and left and let him relax. Or over at second. So even if he doesn't hit, he has value. And right now, as we sit here, David Bodie's David Bodie's value has skyrocketed past for this Cubs team. Ian Happ, obviously. Albert Almora, yes. Kyle Schwarber's value. I think so. Three first-round picks. Addison Russell's value, the coveted prize from the Samarjita-Oakland trade. Good call on the three first-round picks. David Bodie, a non-prospect two springs ago. You couldn't find him in the top 30 prospects in the Cubs system. And it's not a great system anymore. Wasn't a prospect. But then it clicked. It clicked on offense for him with the contact point being out there in front, which is another way to describe the, the teachings that, that bring you more launch angle. It clicked. And just his 
work ethic, his commitment level, and his excellence on defense at multiple positions. Bodie is more valuable than Hap, than Almora, than Babe effing Ruth, than Addison Russell. That's quite an ascent here in a year and a week. And oh, by the way, he signed a $15 million contract. Just had his third kid. Living the dream in the big leagues. Probably a good time to be David Bodie. It was last year, though, too. As we were all getting to know him, and I would talk to him on the field several different times over at Wrigley, that dude is a very, very happy, present, mindful guy. I think it's mostly, I think it's most often a good time to be David Bodie. This is Stephen Elmhurst on 670 The Score. What's up, Steve? How are you? Yeah, good morning. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years now that uh, that it should have been Javi Baez playing shortstop rather than Addison Russell because he's got the shortstop arm. He's got a cannon. He can make those throws from three, four steps into the outfield in the hole uh, and get the guy out, whereas Addison Russell just does not have that arm. And uh, so to move him off of shortstop would be crazy. And this is a guy who, you know, you, he's got a chance to win a gold glove perhaps, and you keep moving him around. That's one of the reasons why he hasn't had a chance uh, to win a gold glove is that he moves around so much in years past. And uh, I think he deserves the, the opportunity to just claim shortstop for the years to come. And Addison Russell, his first year with the Cubs after they traded for him, he was a second baseman. And he played the position well. And uh, I think he can do that again. And he'll be a superior second baseman uh, if, if they choose to play him there. Now, I love Bodie at both third and second. And, uh, you know, I, the question is, do you play him at third and have Bryant in left field? Or, you know, or what, do you, what do you do there? Um, because, actually, I think Bodie is the better third baseman. Oh, he is. He's definitely the better third baseman. Nice to talk to you, Steve. Nice to hear your voice. Long-time baseball caller to the score. Um, I'm not not so concerned about the awards with the gold gloves and that kind of stuff Um, because Baez's value on defense is evident and obvious to all, and it's at multiple positions. He can do it for you at third in a pinch and certainly at second and obviously now at short. The consistency in terms of playing in one spot has not affected him with the bat. He was all over the place last year, and it didn't, didn't, didn't affect him with the bat. And that takes a special kind of, you know, calm, uh, calm attitude, and he's, he's got that. But what you said about the arm is absolutely spot on. He has a stronger arm than Addison Russell, and he's got a, a, more, a more accurate arm than Addison Russell. I mean, where, where, I mean, Addison has made some mistakes with the arm and it's not as strong. And there's been some internal talk about perhaps moving Addison off of shortstop anyway, because of some of the arm struggles. It's tough because the glove is so smooth. The positioning is so smooth. The quickness with which Russell gets up after he goes down to dive for a ball to either left or right is, 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 is excellent. It, um, it's why people, it's one of the reasons people made the Barry Larkin comps for Addison Russell as he was coming up, because it's just a level of smoothness and, and control out there on, on defense, which just looks awesome. But Javi's got the arm, and Javi's got the stature in the room, and Javi's got the spot. 
it, it it really is really is amazing that as we sit here and look at the baseball perspective, Addison Russell is more of a <laughs> it's more of an annoyance than anything else. Do you need another middle infielder? Really? Do you need one? Descalso is a, is a bat that needs to get in there time to time. Zobrist gives you the consistent quality at bats, even though the production's not there right now. But here in his final year, Zobrist needs to get out there. Bodie's got to play. Javi should play every day. Do you need another middle infielder? No. No. No, you don't. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. What do you think about all all that we uh, we worked on and and kind of got through just sort of to do the mental gymnastics and the emotional rejiggering that it took to get get comfortable if you are with Addison Russell returning to this team and now here we are and from the baseball perspective it's like you know what take your time go ahead <laughs> go ahead people are uh, texting in at six seventy eleven David Bodie. Bodie is what I thought Hap or Schwarber might be. Bodie is an everyday player. He'll end up traded for pitching. I don't know. He's pretty damn useful. Bodie is passing Zobrist as the super utility guy who can hit and is a good defender. Hold on a second. Now, so I, I asked you, as, as Bodie's value skyrocketed past Ian Hap, yes. Albert Amora, yes. Kyle Schwarber, yes. Addison Russell, yes. There's a texture saying Ben Zobrist. That is value has skyrocketed past Zobrist. Well, next year, Zobrist won't be here. You know, the other guy who can play everywhere and he hasn't yet is Daniel Descalso. Descalso played everywhere as a Cardinal. I think there was a playoff series where he played all four infield positions at different times. Yes, at different times. Like how I threw that in. (laughs) So Descalso is that guy. He's got multiple gloves. Descalso can play in the outfield, too. So they got a lot of guys with a lot of utility. A lot of utility. Textures at 6711. Time to trade some guys. There's too many players who need to play. Yeah, you know, we thought they were going to in the offseason, and, and they probably tried to have some conversations. But Russell, uh, Russell's value obviously has gone down for multiple reasons. Ian Happ's value has gone down. Kyle Schwarber's value has stayed down. And... Unfortunately, unfortunately, it looks like his his value is is never going to be where it was when they uh, perhaps could have gotten Andrew Miller for him in that that fateful 2016. But they won the World Series. Remember that part? Remember that part where they won the World Series and Schwarber was a massive part of it. Yes, but even though he was hurt, he could have been um, a trade piece to get an Andrew Miller or a Chapman. Could have held on to Glaber Torres. Some of those things might have been possible. But either way, Schwarber is 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 here, and in terms of trading some of those young guys, I don't I don't know where the value is for Albert Almora. Albert Almora looks like he's hitting better. I'll give him that. The swing looks better, more under control, uh, pulling the ball with some more authority, popping it up into the air, <laughs> as opposed to the league high ground ball rate that was there. Six seventy, the score. David Bodie's quickly becoming a Chicago poster child. He'll be a coveted Chicago sports figure for a long time. Bodie for mayor, Mark and Joliet. Wow, that's high praise. That is high praise. Texture says footwork is the only place where Javi is lacking compared to Russell. He continues to get better, though. No reason to move him. Russell needs to be brought back to reestablish his value and trade. 
I agree with that. I agree with that. Texture says off of is incorrect grammar. Just say off. You know what, buddy? It's baseball grammar. I've been around the game a long time. Where'd you play your ball? No, they say that off of the position. It's baseball grammar. Russell playing shortstop and Baez sliding over would be fine, but I wish Joe would stop putting Hayward in center field instead of Almora. I don't know, man. I Look, I understood everybody on the Albert Almora needs more playing time train. I understood everybody, everybody being on that train. And then the opportunity was presented to him right here. So prove it now, Albert, prove it. 312-644-6767 is your phone number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. We'll, uh, we'll talk some White Sox, some Eloy Jimenez, and also get some stat nuggets from our guy Chris Kampka when we come back on 670 The Score. It is 670 The Score. And before we get Cam connected with our guy Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago, we have roster moves by the Chicago White Sox. Nate Jones goes to the injured list and... Eloy Jimenez goes to the injured list. Retroactive to Friday, it's the 10-day disabled list. It is being called a high ankle sprain. This after an MRI yesterday, x-ray the night before. You've seen the highlight of him trying to get his Ken Griffey or Bo Jackson on as he tried to Spider-Man up the wall to make a catch. Eloy, that ain't you, man. I, I don't think that's you. Don't worry about that. But uh, Eloy with the high ankle sprain, and he goes to the disabled list or the injured list. It's the 10-day injured list. And we'll see more. Our own Bruce Levine is over there at the ballpark, and he will get us all the information if there is more information. Coming up to the White Sox are pitchers Aaron Bummer and Thiago Vieira. That's a guy to have some fun watching. He has hit 103 miles per hour in his life. On the fastball. I don't think he's hitting 103 these days, but he's a triple digits guy with the fastball and uh, a big time arm who has struggled with uh, command, has struggled with confidence at different times, but is here for another cup of coffee. Got a high ceiling, that's for sure. We know about the ceiling for our guy, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. What do you say, Chris? How are you? Good morning. Well, I'm pretty good. That, that's a lot of news right there. Right? It's a lot of stuff. Uh, I feel, feel bad for Eloy, who um, who needs to play, um, but I also worry about his outfield comfort level in general and wonder if he should play some DH, even though he's young. I, I think eventually he'll get some DH, but let's get, him, let's get him some reps. It's early. You know, right now, the games, you're not going to expect to contend. Mm-hmm. So while the White Sox are getting there and building their way up, just let them – let them struggle. Let them get through it. Let them learn. The White Sox and Tigers will be on NBC Sports Chicago this afternoon at 110, 1230-ish for the pregame. Renato Lopez and Matthew Boyd. Talk to me about those White Sox, Chris Kamka. God, I love watching Tim Anderson, and so does the rest of the baseball world these days. Yes, absolutely, I do. But let me start with this team number first. So this is what's most um, glaring for the White Sox so far. And if they can get this right, you might see a big improvement. So against the starting pitchers this season, the first time through the order, they're held to a 198 batting average with a 253 on base and a 252 slugging with one homer. Hmm. And, and, and that's leading to the fact that from the first three innings of the game, they're being outscored 51 to 19. Now, that being said, 
from the fourth inning on, they've got a plus 14 run differential. From the fourth inning on in games, they're actually outscoring their opponents 103 to 89. So if they can only get settled in just a little earlier, um, there's some potential that this team might be able to do some things with that. So, but as for Tim Anderson. Yes, sir. Oh, I mean, was that not the perfect guy to hit that walk-off home run the other day? Absolutely beautiful. And the way that he's playing with the batting average over 400, the 10 stolen bases with no caught stealing, the defensive flash he showed in that game alone, it's uh, one of the uh, emerging stars in all of baseball. It's fun. Yeah, my favorite number from that walk-off win was the fact that he hit that walk-off homer after – in the game that ended in four hours and two minutes, <laughs> that walk-off homer put his batting average at four oh two, and and that's fine. All right, but as for the five homers and ten stealing in Major League history, Tim Anderson is one of two players with ten homers or five homers and ten steals before May first. Only two. The other one's Brian Roberts in two thousand five. Wow. The thing is here, though, Roberts was caught stealing once. Tim Anderson, not yet. So if he can go finish this month without being caught, he would be the only player with five homers and ten stealing, or, yeah, ten stealing, assuming that nobody else gets there. And I don't think anybody else is um, there. Wow. Yet. So that, that, that's, that's awesome. Five homers and ten steals before May 1st. Brian Roberts. Jim Hendry wanted Brian Roberts so bad. That season, he was so good. Though. I know Brian he was. Roberts setting the world on fire, but he tailed off. But man, what a season. What a couple of seasons. If, if injuries hadn't gotten in the way, yeah. what would we have seen there? Uh, uh, wow, that, that, that's fun. Five homers and ten steals before May 1st and uh, no caught stealings so far, and he'd so, be the first guy well, ever. And here's the thing about Tim Anderson, his 44.5% of swings at pitches outside the zone mm. is second in the majors. And wow. who's, who's the only guy with more? Javier Baez. <laughs> he, he, he continues to defy logic at the plate. With, that, with those plate discipline numbers, if you were to look at those, uh, you would never imagine he's doing what he's doing. Either of them. Yet, he's tied for the major league lead with 13 multi-hit games with Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, and Elvis Andrews. Wow. Now, he has 34 batted balls of at least 100 miles an hour. This is Anderson? Is, thir- is Anderson or Javi? This is Javi. Okay, good. So Javi's third in that department behind only Yelich and Bellinger. Sorry, it's, and, I, I interrupted you, so say that again. That's exit velocity. He has how many balls? Um, 34 of at least 100 miles an hour, which is third in the majors behind only Yelich and Bellinger. Awesome. That and the fact that he's tied for the most multi-hit games, despite having the highest percentage of swings of balls outside the zone. Wow. He almost makes no sense. <laughs> and, he's even, and he's even got a 369 on base percentage this season. Yeah. And he's one of seven Cubs with at least 60 plate appearances and a 360 on base percentage. Wow. They are getting it done, grinding out at bats, getting on at base. Everybody, there's guys always on base for this team, and this is why you see the little resurgence in offense. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Rizzo, by the way, Anthony Rizzo's OPS the last eight games, Chris, is 1.256. He's got 10 hits, three walks, and three hit-by-pitches in the last eight games. So Rizzo has arrived. 
that's so Rizzo. You can get hit by a pitch, yep. get a hit, get a walk. Yep. That's, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. I actually named the stat, the Rizzo, for guys who get a hit, a walk, and hit by pitch in the same game. <laughs> and he's always among the leaderboards in that category. Uh. But about that Cubs offense, so they're getting a bu- bunch of guys on base. Here's the thing. Right now, it seems to be happening primarily on the road. In, in the road games this year, they're averaging 6.5 runs a game, 25 homers, and they're leading the majors with a 373 on base percentage on the road this season. That's 14 games. But at home, though, 223 batting average, 322 on base, 390 slugging, with 11 homers in 11 games. So they've got to pick it up once they get home. But for now, let's just continue this ride on the road trip as we finish this thing up and see um, Arizona and move on to Seattle. The Mariners seem to have no problem putting the ball out of that park. No, they don't. So, so let's hope the Cubs can at least continue this thing for a little while. We'll worry about the home splits later. Hey, Chris, thank you so much. Great stuff from Chris Kampka. Find him on Twitter, at C Kampka. And uh, tell your folks at NBC Sports Chicago, thanks for the loan as they loan him out. And they've got White Sox and Tigers coming up at uh, about 1235 for pregame. Um, the news on Eloy Jimenez is, is, is worse than I just originally reported. It's going to start at two weeks, his absence. They'll check back in in two weeks and will probably increase from there for Eloy Jimenez. So they call it the 10-day DL or IL and it's retroactive to Friday, but it's going to be at least two weeks for Eloy and probably longer from there. Um, our own Bruce Levine will check in from the ballpark at some point. Paul Sullivan is the venerable baseball man from the Chicago Tribune, and he's my guest co-host today on Hit and Run. He has arrived. We'll talk to Sully and you next on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.